listening to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. And I told the first service, I don't really have a sermon for you. I do have a word for you. And it's not a very pretty, neat, nice, tight, organized, alliterated outline where I print off copies for you and you fill in the blanks and follow along. I wish I had that, but I don't. You can check back in 20 years and maybe we'll have that for you. But I do have a word for you. I've been praying this week and I've been seeking the Lord and I've been asking him, you know, a lot of people that are here, they, they, they say, you know, you should, beginning of every year, just lay out what you want to teach. And I know people that lay out their preaching calendar for the next three years. And I wish I could do that too. My mind doesn't function that way. I don't operate that way. I don't know what I'm going to preach to you next week. I've got a thought. I got a bunch of thoughts. But I would rather, I would rather your Bible says, let man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Not by every word that proceeded, but every word that is proceeding. It does not say, let him that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said. It says, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so instead of having it all cute and neat and packaged for you, and I have nothing, no issues with people that do that, I wish... I function that way. You probably do too. But I want to make sure that we are saying what he is saying. Not what he said or what I think you might need to hear because, well, it's October, so I got to preach against Halloween. All right, I'm not going to do that. This is a word for us. Are you ready? Said, are you ready? Genesis chapter number two, verse number eight. Now, I offended some of you with the Halloween comment. You'll be all right. <laughs> Hallelujah party. We'll call it that. Genesis two, verse eight. And the Lord God planted a garden. Everybody say garden. Say garden. Eastward in Eden. And there he put, say put. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Watch this. The tree of life, the tree of life. He put the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look at verse 15 of Genesis 2. And the Lord God took the man and put him, he put him into the garden of Eden and he gave him two jobs, to dress it and to keep it. A better translation says, to cultivate it and to guard it, to protect it. Now, flip over to Revelation chapter number two. It's got to be good if he's preaching out of the book of Revelation. My God. <laughs> Revelation chapter number two, verse number one. If you don't know where Revelation is, just keep turning. And when you get to the maps, go back a couple of pages. Revelation two, verse one. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, 
These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works, your labor, your patience, how you cannot bear them which are evil and how you've tried them which say they are apostles and are not and you've found them to be liars. And you've borne and you've had patience and for my name's sake you've labored and you've not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen and repent, watch, and do your first works. Do your first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove the candlestick out of his place except you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the... You got to love Jesus. He does the positive, negative, positive. You got all this going on. You don't love me anymore, but you also don't like the Nicolaitans. Good job. <laughs> Verse 6, but this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat, we revisit it, the tree of life, which is in the middle of of the paradise of God. Amen. Amen. I have had the privilege to minister in a lot of different uh, contexts, I guess would be the word. I've got to be a youth pastor. God bless America for that season of my life. I got to be a youth pastor. I got to be a lead pastor. I've been an associate pastor. I've been on leadership teams. I've taught in Bible colleges, I've went on missionary trips, I've kind of got to do a little bit of it all. I've even preached at women's meetings, glory be to God. And if I've noticed anything over the years of being in ministry, I've noticed there is a, there is a, a hunger for purpose. There's a hunger for destiny. You really have never talked to a distraught adult until you've talked to one that does not know what they're supposed to be doing with their life. We live in fear of it. We even start this whole process of building people's fear about their purpose and what they're going to do for the rest of their life. We start that process at a young age. We ask four-year-olds, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're going to say something crazy. We need to be asking 44-year-olds, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? Because we don't know. Because we have a culture in our churches that teach that calling and purpose is wrapped up in what you do instead of where you are at. We teach that calling is, if you have a really big calling, if you're like really called, if you have like the call of all calls, that means you get to be in ministry full time and you get to hold a microphone and stand up under the lights and tell people about the Bible. Now other people that do regular jobs, they don't have a calling, but if you're in ministry, then you are called to the ministry. Tell me that's not the culture that we create in church. What are you called to do? And then you, the, the real call is the microphone holders and then you have everybody else that's supposed to pay for the lifestyle 
lifestyle of the microphone holder. That's what that's our understanding of being called and having a purpose and having a destiny. And that's not what the Bible talks about at all when it comes to your calling and your destiny. God is not nearly as interested in what you do as he is where you are at. God's purpose for you is not the task that you execute day in and day out. God's purpose for you is that you live in a garden called paradise and have unbroken communion with God in the cool of the day. That is God's ultimate purpose for you, that you have unbroken, unbending, never-changing fellowship with him. If you want to preach, bless God, preach. If you want to sing, bless God, sing. If you want to run a business, bless God, run a business. But that is not what you are called to do. Your calling is not what you do. Your calling is where you are at, and where I'm called to be is in a garden paradise where I have unbroken communion with God. You hearing what I'm saying? Oh, glory be to God. That's what we need to tell young people. Because when I grew up, people would instill this fear in you. They would say things like, what's your, I was 20, 19 years old. What's your one-year plan, three-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year plan? I don't know. My God, are you kidding me? Because there's nobody in here that you had a plan and it worked out the way you planned it to work out. I was going to get married at 29. Got married at 22. I was going to have one kid. Had three. Was going to live on the beach. Live in the mountains. Was going to go to Bible college. Never been to Bible college. There's nobody in here that has a plan that it worked out the way you thought it was going to work out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What's your one-year plan, three-year plan, five-year plan? People ask you this about churches. Now, what's your, what's your five-year vision? Do you have your 2040 vision statement crafted yet? What in the name of God? I hope I live to see 2040. What do you mean to have my vision statement planned out? I don't know what I'm going to be doing at 2040, but I know who I'm going to be following at 2040, and he's never let me down one time because it's not about what I do. It's about where I'm at, and if I can make sure that I stay in my communion place with God, everything else will sort itself out. We tell you, what, 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 what you need to go to college, you need to get a degree. So you need to go to college and you need to get a degree so you can grow up and be miserable and work a job that has nothing to do with your degree and then have $14 million in student loan debt that you don't pay off till you got great grandkids. That sounds like a plan. Or you can go get before God and find out my purpose is not in what I do. My purpose is in where I dwell. And I'm going to dwell in the secret place huh, of the Most High. That's why your Bible says, oh, I need somebody to help me preach this this morning. You're called to live in a place of communion. I, I, love, I think about that old song. I sing that old song to my son every night. I go to the garden alone. Is anybody in here Baptist enough to remember what I'm talking about? I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear. The son of God. We don't write songs like that anymore. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own and the joy we share. As we tarry there, none other has ever known. It's not about what you do. That's exactly what, especially men, that's what we ask when we're around each other for 42 seconds. Hey, man, what's your name? Joe. Joe, what do you do? I live in a place called paradise. And I have unbroken communion with God. In the cool of the day. You want to find your purpose? I remember my parents, God bless my parents, they weren't saved when I was in high school. 
And they put a lot of pressure on me. Got to go to college. Got to go to college. Got to go, 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 go. And I believe in college. My kids are going to college. They're going to college. They're going to college. I've told them, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you ride on the back of a garbage truck. You're going to do it with a four-year degree. It's fine. Okay? Not against that. Because I, I don't think it glorifies God by us being, never mind. I'm not, not going to say that. <laughs> no. Because y'all, y'all do this stuff. Y'all do it to me on social media. Y'all do it to me in private. Y'all like, y'all like, y'all like, say it. You're like, say it. Then I say it, and all hell breaks loose, and you're like, oh, man. And I'm like, where are you at? I'm in a social media bar fight, and you at the house eating wings. Don't mess with me. I know you can't. I got Betty, Sue, and Gina, and Rhonda, and their husbands telling me I'm a heretic, and you at the house hitting the thumbs up button. The devil is a liar. It took me several months to figure out that's what was going on, but I found, figured it out. Say it. You should say it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you ever had that friend that you can pump up to do dumb stuff? I'm that friend. <laughs> Where was I at? I was in the garden. I know where I'm at. I was kidding. Growing up, was, go to college, go to college, go, 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 go. I remember I was, the, the night of my graduation, I couldn't sleep. I was like, oh, God. I, feel, I think I'm on a, the way they make it sound. My life's over, 17. My life's over. I don't have a major picked out. I've had more majors than you all. I've majored in everything. Everything. When I was the short stint, I gave college a swing. Right? But then I found out, if it's not about what I'm doing, let me tell you how to find God's purpose for you. God's ultimate purpose for you is located in God's original intention for you. God's ultimate purpose. And the question is, you're asking the wrong question if you're asking, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What am I going to do to make money? God's ultimate purpose for you is located and found in God's original intention for you. What was God's original intention for you? And God created a garden and he put man there. It wasn't what he did. It was where he was at. And if you stay in the right place, I don't mean this church or that church or some other church. I mean, if you stay in that place of communion, you will do what he's called you to do. You can't miss God if you're in the right place. Do you hear what I'm saying? We get so trapped because we, we, we try to teach people to focus on what they do and they lose sight of where they're supposed to be. You hearing what I'm saying? I would rather stay too far behind him because then I, at least I can still see him. Then get too far ahead of him. Man, it's called to live in a place called paradise. That's God's original intention for him. The message we teach in church is that your, your original intention, if you're, re, if you're really lucky, 
you get called to be in ministry. If you're really lucky, God calls you to be in ministry. I even, I even see this in families where they start calling the kids, the grandparents start calling the grandkids into ministry by the time they four years old. I see a call on them. He can barely walk. How do you know he's got a call on him? Because he's, he's, he's got a preacher's head. I've heard it. He sounds like a preacher. He just loves the Bible. He's four. He can't read. He can't read the Bible. He just loves the Bible. He's a preacher. No, he's not. You don't know that. You don't know what he's called to do any more than I know what he's called to do. But I do know where he's called to be. Right? If you're really lucky, maybe you can get in ministry. And I'm going to tell you from experience, if, if you wrap your identity up in whatever you do, the moment what you do gets taken away from you, it completely destroys every sense of self and significance that you had. When you wrap up your identity and your task and your roles and your titles, all I've got to do is attack the title and it destroys you. You can take the church from me tomorrow and I'm going to wait up and I'm still going to seek God. I'm still going to love my family. I'm still going to obey God because this is not who I am. I grew up my entire life listening to preachers say, well, preaching's who I am. Ministry's who I am. It's not what I do. It's who I am. It's not who I am. Who I am is a son that walks with his father in the cool of the day. And I can do that with or without a microphone. If you wait for ministry to give you significance, you'll be waiting the rest of your life. If you wait on marriage or kids to give you significance, you will spend the rest of your life frustrated. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's only one thing that can calm the storm raging on the inside of you when you need validation and affirmation, and that is go find your place called communion. Can I get a witness from somebody? It is not about how much money you make. You think if you make enough, you'll be happy. You won't. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough if you're not in the right place. The other day, somebody told me and my wife about Bridgemore. Y'all don't know what Bridgemore is, do you? It's one of the wealthy places around here in Farragut. So we started driving around. I was like, glory to God. There was a lot. All it was was a patch of grass. What was the price? $12 million for the grass. For the grass. The law was so big you could cut it with a weed eater. I was thinking, glory to God, all these big, beautiful 15,000 square foot homes. I was like, I need me two of these. But if I never get it, I'm fine. Because money doesn't scratch the itch. You're called to live in a place called paradise. You're called to eat from the tree of life that's only located in one place and that is a garden called communion. You're hearing what I'm saying. So now we get all the way to Revelation chapter number two. And God tells Adam, he says, I'm gonna put you in the garden. You've got two jobs. Number one, I want you to cultivate it. I want you to tend to it. I want you to grow it. And number two, I want you to protect it. And where Adam fell 
was he allowed serpents to get in the garden. And what kind of serpents are you allowing to infiltrate your garden? What kind of distractions are you allowing to infiltrate your walk with God? Because whenever, whenever you start preaching on serving God, being devoted, being consecrated, being a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, this is what everybody says, well, I would love to do that. I'm just too busy. That's what we tell each other. I'm just too busy, too busy to serve. I'm too busy to pray like that. I'm too busy. Listen, if you are too busy to commune with God at the level he's calling you to commune with him, then you are too busy doing things he never called you to do to begin with. Tom, Tom's my friend. This is his first time. Sometimes I just have to, hey, good, I have to support myself. I, I, I got to write myself an offering of glory to God. Called to guard it and cultivate it. So now he is in Revelation chapter number two. There's a lot happened since Genesis two in Revelation chapter two. There's a lot went down. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, right? He's writing to Timothy. You've done so many things well. You've worked hard, you've labored, you've had patience. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You've tried those that say they're apostles. You have judged false apostles. Excellent work, Timothy. Pastoring an exploding church. Timothy is in the ministry. Right? He's called. He's Paul's spiritual son. In the ministry. And Jesus looks at him and says, nevertheless, I have something against you. You left your first love. Hang in here with me. You with me? He did not say you lost it. I lost my wallet at Disney World. Both literally and metaphorically speaking. But if I leave the house in the morning, I didn't misplace it. I turn around and walk away from it. He did not say you lost your love. He said you left it. And Timothy, I'm going to come remove your lampstand unless you restore your first love. And then he gives him the, such simplistic advice that it is staggering. How do you restore your first love? Simple, Timothy. You go back and you do your first works. You go back and start praying how you used to pray. And some of you know precisely what I'm talking about. You go back and you start seeking the way you used to seek. Because when you first got in this, we didn't have to put on the show to prop up your walk with God. When you first got in this, people talking about money didn't offend you. When you first got in this, we had to talk you into give we had to talk you down from giving so much instead of asking you, would you please start believing in tithing again? 
Amen. The churches now are having to do tithing challenges where for 90 days, treat God like a slot machine and throw some money at him. And then if blessing comes out, maybe that will inspire you to keep giving. We don't know. God forbid that we sow toward God simply because we love him for changing our life. Y'all are not with me this morning. First service, I like to create competition. First service was with me. Y'all ain't with me this morning. Kidding. Go back and do your first works. Timothy, and this is the word from God to our church. If you want to go forward, and we want to go forward, we've got vision. I've got, I've got things I've not even told you about. I want to plant a campus here. I want to plant a campus there. We've had prophetic words. If we want to go forward, first, we've got to go backward. If I could title this message anything, I'd title it, we need to run backwards for a little while because there's some stuff that some of us have left along the way that we've got to go back and recover if we're ever going to become everything God's called us to become. I know we want the kingdom, but before we get the kingdom, we've got to go back and recover the garden. I know we want God to move and for God to explode and for God to change our city, but before God changes our city, he's got to call us back to a secret place where we are burning and hungry and thirsty again God I'm not asking you to save the city God I'm asking you to rekindle a fire down in the bones of the church of our city it has to start at the house of God we've got to go back and pick up some stuff You remember when you used to come to church and we didn't have to sing your favorite song? They could sing Amazing Grace out of tune and off key and you'd fall out because God was moving. Do you remember that? Do you remember when we didn't have to prop you up and encourage you with everything under the sun? You just loved God and you were burning and you were, you remember when, you, I remember when I first got touched deeply by God, I would start reading the Bible and I had no idea what it meant, but I'd be blessed by it anyway, right? Start reading the book of Revelation and be like, what in God's name is happening? Wormwood falling out of heaven. A third of the trees dying. Horsemen and, and, and witnesses dying. And the smoke of their torment. Mm, that's good. That sounds powerful. The smoke of their torment rising day and night. Tell me more, Lord, glory to God. The angel and the beast and the false prophet. You remember when you used to read the Bible and you didn't know what it meant, but it, it wasn't getting in here. It was getting in here. You knew it was changing you. You knew it was transforming you. You couldn't intellectually explain what it was that was being said by the writer. All you knew was there's something that's gotten in my bones and it won't let me go. You remember what I'm talking about. You remember when you got filled with the Holy Ghost and all you want to do is pray and speak in tongues and intercede and travail and groan and believe God for family members. Do you remember? Nobody remembers? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is a shame that when we want to talk about our greatest days of passion, we have to point to some time in our past. Right? Boy, when I was 14, I was on fire. Well, what happened? It ain't age. It's not schedule. It's we've left our first love. 
Don't you remember? Don't you? I just want to look at the church in America and say, don't you remember the services where we would come in and nobody sang a thing and we would just weep in God's presence? Oh, I feel that. If it's just me and Goldie, come on, Goldie. Y'all remember that? When God would move. You remember getting caught in places of prayer where it felt like 10 minutes and you looked up and it had been four hours? And not only that, you realized you'd not eaten today. That's the best kind of fast. <laughs> Glory to God. Y'all remember it? Y'all remember it's interesting because he's giving, he's giving Timothy the same kind of advice she give a struggling married couple. Usually when marriages are struggling, a counselor will tell them, all right, listen, go, go drop the kids off somewhere, anywhere, side of the road. It don't matter. They're like a horse. They'll find their way home. And you and your spouse go get alone and remember what caused you to fall in love. That's exactly what he's telling Ephesus. He's saying, I want you to remember from where you have fallen and I want you to do those things again. If we want to go forward, we've got to go backward. I'm not, even, I'm not even concerned right now about vision. I'm not even concerned about what's going to be our next building. I'm not concerned about let's get those video cameras ordered so we can start live streaming the services so poor Grace Dixon don't break her arm off holding her cell phone up with Facebook Live going. Where's she at? She had to tap out. I'm not even worried about that. What I'm concerned about right now is the pastor of this church, we got to go back. Before we, find, before we find our YouTube channel, let's go find our prayer closet. Oh, God Almighty. Before we beef up our Instagram numbers, let's make sure that we've still got it. I feel that in my bones. Let's make sure we've still got his presence going. Before we recover all of the first-time guests that have been through here, let's make sure we recover the tears of worship. And I need somebody to help me preach this. Make sure we recover the tears of intercession and prayer and revival and God burning me and God starting me and God changed me and God transformed me. God, I want to love you like I used to love you. You left your first love. He's not saying you quit loving Jesus. Everybody in here loves, if I say who loves Jesus, everybody, who glory. He didn't say you quit loving Jesus. He said you don't love him like you used to. That your affections have cooled off because you've allowed serpents in the garden. But to him that overcomes 
if I can find some people that'll be willing to do whatever it takes to be inconvenienced. You might have to miss some meals. You might have to miss some sleep. You might have to miss who the bachelor picks for a couple of weeks. And you might not know who gets kicked off the island. But to him that overcomes, to him that will go back and find a place of first works and first love again, to them I will give to eat of the tree of life that's in the middle of the paradise of God. Hope Unlimited, this is an invitation from the Holy Ghost to say, I've got a garden waiting on you. I've got some communion waiting on you. I've got a secret place waiting on you. And I'm just trying to find somebody that'll say yes to the invitation and say, God, yes, we want your presence more than we want anything else. Somebody shout hallelujah. I want your presence more than anything else. I know this is awkward and I know it's weird and I know you want a funny introduction and jokes at each point and a little, I get that, but that's not what he is saying to us. Oh God almighty, y'all with me? What he is saying is remember from whence you have fallen, repent and go back and do those first works. And then your first love will come alive. And then you will have a lampstand that gives light to this entire city. We don't need more churches in Knoxville. We need burning churches in Knoxville. We need fiery churches in Knoxville. We need churches that say, you're broken and hurting? Follow me to a garden. Oh God. Hold up, my son. We need we need a church that can go walk the campus of UTK and say, I know all 40,000 of y'all 20-year-olds are confused about life. Let me tell you, I don't know what you're called to do, but I know where you're called to be. Come here. I need I wish I had somebody to help me preach this. I know where you're called to be. Don't know what you're called to do. You can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer. I don't care what you do, I just know where you're called to be. I know, I know where God has put you. He has put you in the garden. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.